Thank you, Jeff. That was great, wasn't it? Aren't we blessed to have his message and music and also, of course, all the instrument he plays? We're so blessed. And um, just fits perfectly with what we're going to be looking at today. The scripture coming from Luke 18, 1 through 8. And the title of the sermon is, Is There Faith on the Earth? That's going to show up there in the scripture. And then also, where are all the disciples? And you know what? I just love the title of our denomination, Disciples of Christ. Is there any better name for a denomination that exists? I don't think so. I think we're very blessed. Don't you just love it to be disciples of Christ? Because that's what all Christians are. So we just get to claim it and just put it right out there on the sign, right? So we need to be thinking about that and knowing who we are. We are disciples of Christ. That's why we're here. And what a great joy to be with a bunch of us this morning. So listen to these words. This is a story from Christ. And it's a passage I don't think you hear very much. This is from the lectionary today. So that means that Christians all over the world are looking at this passage. But it's a little bit different it reminds me of another one that we look at sometimes about prayer, but let's listen to it and see what, what is said. This is a message Jesus has to his disciples. So Luke 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Jesus said, In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. I have to say in there, in other words, he really didn't care about anybody, did he? He didn't care about God and didn't care about men. You know, who's he caring about? We don't know. But anyway, that's what we know about him. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out without her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God being about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Interesting. That was the thought there that Jesus left them with. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So that's getting down to like our kind of time. And that's why I put that thought on there. Is there faith on the earth? Because see, this is what we've got to be having here. A couple thousand years later, that question's like about us and those to come. Is there faith on the earth today? That's what we're going to ask ourselves. But see, this is one of those kind of strange passages. And there are others similar to this about prayer. Because what it sort of says is that we're supposed to keep praying to God 
And it can get annoying and that's all right. Because God wants to know what we're thinking about. And God just wants us to keep on asking. Because we are God's children. And don't you want to know that from your children or your loved ones? You know, even as adults, sometimes as children, there's some children that are more timid than others and they don't tell you. And I can just remember thinking that one of our children, I wish I just knew what he was thinking. And I didn't know. And then sometimes as adults, so they get busy, you know, and you don't know what they need. And then maybe even after some years, they tell you something they're thinking about. And you're, think, you're saying back, well, goodness, I wish you'd told me that five years ago. We could have done something about it. Have you ever been in that situation? It's good to know what we're thinking. It's good to communicate with each other. And so it talks about this communication. And so many of us wrongly feel guilty about we think we're pestering God. You know what? God is not like my husband. God doesn't get tired of listening to me. Isn't that wonderful? Poor old Greg, he has done his duty a hundred times over. And several other people that I know too. But God is perfect patience. And I just don't think it bothers God. We're not... We're not going to have to worry about being guilty about asking God for things because that's what dialogue is. That's what relationship is. And this passage is one of those that says you can keep going to God. Now, we all know there's the answer of no, but we also know there's power in the prayer of asking. And the opening verse puts it all together. It says... See, Jesus, remember, was preparing his disciples and the disciples to come, us. Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them they should always pray, pray and never give up. So that is the message for us today. Always pray and never give up. And you can keep praying. I always felt like, just for me personally, that God sort of says, Nancy, keep praying and asking. And I'll tell you no, you know, but you can keep praying and asking until I tell you no or tell you to be quiet and you'll get that message. But keep praying and asking. I think sometimes God wants to know what's on our hearts. And the dialogue itself is intimate. It keeps us going to God. I really think that oftentimes... I don't hear this anymore, but I used to hear this in Tennessee. I guess they said it in the old days of Indiana, too, about a horse. There was a carrot. You'd put the carrot and tie it out in front of the horse so the horse would follow the carrot. And so they'd say, you know, that was the carrot that would lead the horse. So a lot of times I'd have a hard thing in my life that kept me praying to God, you know, because I kept fussing and worrying over that issue maybe for some years, and then finally it just all go away. But that carrot issue just kept me going to God. So, you know, that might be part of the reason that issue's there. So you might as well get on your knees and start praying about it. And quit worrying that you're bothering God. God desires relationship with us. God can handle your cares and your worries. That's where we need to be going. So because of that... And you know we don't like to do this, and I'm not mentioning any kind of one way or the other, but as Christians, we have to figure out to do with what to do with this political world around us. And I know Christians that are voting 
both ways on the upcoming election, and I think that's the way it should be. I don't think Christians are one pot or all alike. You know, I think we have Christians all over the place. But I know like you, because it's all being said on the news, never before have I known such a time of confusion. So what, as Christians, do we do? I believe very much in the separation of church and state. So the question as a Christian is, what do we do with this confusion and fear that we see in our country? What can we do about that? Well, I tell you what, it tells us right here, right here, that we need to be praying and not giving up, which is another word for hope. And we need to have the hope because this country needs hope. And you know what? We've got to have it. So we better get finding it. You know, we're all messed up. Hope is not in a politician. We have great and wonderful gifts in this country, but that's not what our hope is in. These are gifts from God. We have freedom in this country. There is great financial wealth in this country and stability. And that stability, even if I don't have the wealth, the stability is good for me. So there's financial stability here. There's freedom here. There's always going to be corruption and lies and things, but there's a lot of goodness here in this country. And that stability is a blessing to all of us. We have many blessings in this country. But that is not where our hope is. These blessings are something God has blessed us with. God is the hope. And you know what? People need to see it. And you may be the only one in their life that has God's light. There's a lot of unchurched people out there. They need to see hope. And if we Christians can't find it, who the heck's going to have it? So we better just stay on our knees or however you like to pray. It doesn't have to be on your knees, however you like to pray. But we better be praying for this country and for whoever gets elected. I don't care if you like that person or not. We better be praying. But most of all, we have to find that hope because others need to see it too. And we have God living within us. So find that hope. The world needs to see that light. We've got to have a grasp of it. And God always offers it to us if we keep asking and searching. And that's what this scripture says. Never give up. Always pray and never give up. And you know, all these wonderful things are not what our faith is based on. While we're looking at an, a time that seems unstable in our political history, let's look at the stable things that distract us. What are the stable things, that, the gifts that distract us in our life? Because... It's not about doing everything right either. That's not where our hope is, is being perfect little Christians, because that's not going to happen. When I first became an adult Christian after college, and I had a, a very wonderful spiritual sort of rebirth and, and learned more about the Holy Spirit, which balanced out the father and the son part that I had, and I, I understood more about the Holy Spirit, which really helps. That three-legged stool does a little better than a two-legged stool. And it was a big change in my life. I learned so many things. But at the same time, 
I thought I was supposed to do everything just right. I did go kind of through a cleansing time, and I thought, I've got to do everything just right. And, you know, I was scared to do anything because I was scared I'd make a mistake. And I could see other people's flaws, and I could see my flaws. And I really didn't do much of anything. I was scared to say anything because you all do know that I like to talk. And like many people's gifts, you know, your gift can also be where you make mistakes. So yes, I have the blessing of sometimes teaching about God or preaching about God, and that's a really good thing. But then I can accidentally hurt somebody's feelings, and that's the bad part, and that's the human part, and I'm sorry about that. So, you know, at that point, I just wasn't talking much at all. I thought, I don't want to do anything wrong. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But you know what? I really wasn't accomplishing anything for God. Nothing was happening. I couldn't be used. I was scared of making a mistake. And you know what that is? That's legalism. Because that's thinking that I'm going to be the best Christian if I don't make mistakes. If I'm really good and I don't do anything wrong, then I'm a, I'm a really, really good Christian. But you know what? That's not what the Bible says. That's legalism. That's thinking that my security is in being a really, really good person. Now, I still want to be as good a person as I can be, but you know what? People get caught up in that, and then they see somebody's sin, and they think, oh, no. And there's some churches where you can't share what your sins are because they think, oh, that's bad. You know, oh, don't tell anybody you did that. I mean, I've actually had people from other churches. There was a man in another church, uh, uh, very much, well, anyway, another church, and uh, he um, had had a problem in the past where he had a bad temper and would become a little violent. And so he'd gone and he'd gotten help with that and counseling, and he didn't do that anymore. And he was becoming a deacon in this church, and he told the minister, he says, I want to tell people about this because if there's someone else that has that problem, I want to help them so that they can stop it, you know, because my family was able to stay together and be a, a good family again. And the preacher says, oh, no, you're a deacon. You can't tell anybody that you used to do that. Well, don't we all have something? Aren't we flawed? We're not going to heaven because we're perfect. We're not going to heaven because we're all real good. Ephesians 2 says it is by grace you have been saved. It's not from yourself. It's not by being good. That's the law. That's that Old Testament stuff. Yes, we are made better, and we feel that holiness of God's Spirit within us, and it is humbling. And yes, we are able to do things we could not do before we were Christians, but it is God's grace that has saved us, God's presence, God's forgiveness, that has saved us. God's the price through his son Christ. So even good things can distract us. So just remember, let's get in that habit. Do whatever it takes to keep on praying. This is a good time. One of my dear friends from hospice that I worked with, whenever I got in a sticky situation and I was complaining about it, she'd say, Nancy, why do you think God has you in that sticky situation? What are you supposed to learn? Well, I think that goes for all of us. 
If things look sticky in the country right now, then we better be praying and asking God, okay, God, what do you want me to learn? How to get a hold of hope when it doesn't look like there is any? There's always hope. God is hope. So I want to share one little story. Back when I first worked in hospice back in North Carolina one time, and I was hired as a bereavement coordinator, I really wanted that job as a chaplain, but a friend from seminary got that one. That's okay. At least I was working for hospice, and I was working as a bereavement coordinator there. And they said, Nancy, after I've been there a while, you can work with the chaplain, and you can be on call, and we'll let you do that this weekend. I'm like, oh, great. I've wanted to do that. And of course, as it is with a new part of a job, Greg was out of town to a conference or something that weekend. My kids were still pretty little back then. And as it would happen, you know, they called me one evening when Greg was gone and I had to get somebody to watch the kids. And they had this beautiful new hospice home and people would go there at the very end of life, like the last few weeks. And so they called me into the hospice home And I didn't know what I was going for. And I took my Bible and I thought, well, goodness, you just never know what the need is. And so I went into the hospice home. And just to let you know, there's a thing ministers have, especially early on in your ministry when you haven't done it very much. You know, this was about 20 years ago. And there's this thing where the outside can look real calm and the inside is kind of going crazy. Like, oh, my goodness, what do I do now? Just to let you know, this is one of those times that's coming. So I get to the hospice home, and I go to find the nurse. I didn't really know my way around that building very well. And I go to find the nurse, and I say, well, what is it I could help you with? I know they called me, and she says, well, there's a family here, and the lady's at the end of life. And they said, and there's a lot of tension in the family. And her husband was here, and he was outside the building and threatening us, and he has a gun. And I'm thinking, what the heck she called me for? You know, but I'm smiling. I'm, I'm glad they called me. And I very nicely said in the outside minister's voice, um, have y'all called the police? I still said y'all back then because I was living in the South. And she says, yes, the police have been here. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that's good. So, okay. So I thought, well, I'll just go and, and sit in the ladies' room. There wasn't any family at the time. So I go in this beautiful area, and the nurse, as she's settling me down, she says, um, oh, in here, I've closed the shutters for you. They have these beautiful plantation shutters, and she says, I've closed the shutters here for you, you know, because uh, the husband was outside, and I'm thinking, on the inside, what the heck are those shutters going to do for bullets coming through the window? But I didn't say anything, you know, I thought, okay. So whatever, it was a nice gesture. So anyway, I just sat down and, and thought about presence because this is what's important. So I really didn't know why God had me there. Really, it was more of a police matter to me. Um, but I was there. I'm glad they called me, so I'm going to sit there a while. And after I was sitting there for a while, the lady's son and daughter-in-law came in, just as sweet as they can be. Now, this young couple um, had been there the night before, evidently. And they weren't churched. But there's two main categories I think of as non-churched. There's those who aren't churched who are really neutral about God and church. There's those that aren't churched who really don't like God and church at all. And as a minister, you really know when you run into those because they don't like you either. 
And I'm sure some of you run into that as Christians. You know, they don't like you either. But I was very happy these were more the neutral Christians or non-Christians, the non-church. They were neutral non-church. So we were having a, a very pleasant conversation, just visiting with them. And they shared something because his mother had been in a, um, like a coma state for several days. But they said, well, we want to tell you something that happened last night, even though she hadn't had her eyes open or said anything for several days. Last night, she opened her eyes and sat up in bed, and she started talking to us. They said, we think she gave us a tour of heaven. She was talking about things she saw, and she mentioned a rainbow, and he started using these phrases. And all of a sudden, it reminded me of some scripture I'd read in Revelation. And I pulled out my Bible that had a concordance in the back so I could find with the words that I needed. And I said, let me read you this passage in the Bible. And it sounded a lot like what their mother had said the night before. And we were all in awe. And I got to share in that sacred moment that oftentimes comes at end of life. And more than that, I hope that God was using me to show these people maybe have more understanding of what they had experienced the night before with their mother to see this connection to heaven and validate what they'd been experiencing with her. Because after that time from the night before, after she had said these things, she laid down and went back to this sleep type place and had not uh, woken up. And she passed within the 24 hours of that day and did not ever open her eyes again. So, you know, we never know what God's using us for. I sure didn't have a clue what was happening with this whole gun and the shutters and what on earth. But by stopping and focusing on God, I got to see what God was doing. And I got to see part of the miracle that was taking place around me. There is always hope. We don't have to be scared of guns, and we don't need to put our faith, little side note, I know a lot of people own guns, it doesn't bother me, but our hope's not in the guns either. Our hope's not in anything else other than God. Only God. God's perfect love. We don't need to fear things, we don't need to put our hope in other things. God is our hope. There is always hope. So the last thing I want to share to you, I think is very special. And one of my friends uh, at work shared this with me. You may or may not know that this October is the 500th year anniversary, I guess you might say, of the Protestant Reformation. Now, if you don't know your church history, uh, just to remind us, this is the time where people broke away from the Catholic Church. It was a painful time, so this isn't an easy thing that happened. The people at that time weren't even wanting to break away, but there was a division there. Through that, though, we have the Protestant development, and this has been 500 years, and it would have been a painful thing, so you know, I don't want to look at that tritely, but to think of, obviously, the healing that has happened through that time. And obviously, some people have still not quite healed from it. 
but something for the first time after 500 years that's very special is happening. And I want to read to you because the current Pope, Pope Francis, is going to be going to Sweden October 31st to this service that commemorates this event. Now he's getting some opposition to this. Some think he shouldn't be going to honor them when they don't agree with it that it happened. But he's going and listen to what he says. What unites us is far greater than what divides us. At the end of the month, he will travel to Sweden to commemorate, along with the World Lutheran Federation, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation and to give thanks to God for the official dialogue between the Lutherans and the Catholics. An essential part of this commemoration, he said, will consist of turning our gaze towards the future with a view to a common Christian witness to today's world that thirsts so greatly for God and his mercy. It is God's mercy that unites us. Isn't that the truth? Don't let the world and the structures of the world, you know, we're thankful that we have a political system of freedom in this country, and that's a gift, but don't let the structures of this world make us fearful. We have to look above that to God that unites us and who is the parent of all. We are all the children of God. We got to focus on that. We have to have the hope and the light of the world because there's a lot of people out there that are unchurched that know nothing and they think God's mean and judgmental. They need to know a God of love and of truth that cares about them and that there is always hope in this scripture. Jesus wanted us to know that, and we've got to get that message out there. So I close with these words from Matthew 5, 14, where Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. That's because we have God's Spirit living within us. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and praise Father in heaven. The world needs you to let that light shine now more than ever. So let's get on our knees and find that hope and hold on to it because God has it right there waiting for us. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your love. Use us to show others that there is always hope. May we go to you to look for that hope, not to any other blessings in our lives only to the source of all love and all blessings. The world needs light. Let us have it. Don't let us be overcome by fear and darkness. That is not your will. Show us how to keep that light strong within us. And thank you for opening our eyes up to the love you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.